Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell. Here to recap the Thunder's 96-89 to loss to the fearsome deer of Milwaukee. Um, Barry, a, an entertaining game and an ugly game at the same time, if I can say that. Both teams shot sub-40% from the field, sub-30% from three. Um, the Bucks got up by a million early. They led by as many as... 20, I guess slightly um, less than a million, and the Thunder sort of clawed their way back in it. Um, it was a, it was a, you know, a close game in the fourth quarter. It got down to a two-point game. The Thunder, I think, had like 10 cracks at either tying the game or taking the lead and just could not get anything to fall, so they did not finish it out in the fourth quarter, but it kind of followed the script of other Thunder comebacks we've seen this season. They just fell short against a better team who sort of lost interest, maybe. Yeah, you know, it was a fascinating game. I mean, we've seen this Thunder come, team come back from massive deficits all season, and lo and behold, down 20, they cut it to two in the fourth quarter, but then the you know the Bucks. this is an elite team, elite defensive team. You got you got Drew Holiday out there. You got and uh, the Greek Freak out there. You got Chris Middleton out there, and they just made. Uh, well, let's see. The Thunder had five points, seven points the last eight, seven minutes. I think uh, three points in the last five minutes. It was just couldn't get anything down the stretch, but they certainly made it a game. Uh, against a Milwaukee team that's not completely at full strength but had most of its firepower out there. Yeah, it seems like Brooke Lopez is on his way back um, here pretty soon, so that's certainly going to to help them. But, yeah, clearly the the Bucks are, <laughs> based on their championship pedigree, the, the more talented front. Um, I, I thought one of the most uh, impressive parts of this game from the Thunder's perspective, they didn't have a ton of good offensive performances, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Darius Baisley did not have an impressive stat line, but he blocked Giannis three times in this one. Um, and Giannis certainly did his fair share of blocking Darius Baisley. But I thought Baisley actually held up pretty well, and the Thunder defended um, Giannis okay. He was 6-16. I mean, he finishes with an insane line, 21-19-7, and seven, um, but wasn't very efficient. And I thought the Thunder actually did some good things against him. Yeah, they seemed to frustrate him as much as anything. Um and really scrapped with him. You know, he's one of those guys that he gets under the basket and it's over uh, just because he can take one step, you know, and, and be three feet away from you and uh, still dunk the ball. But uh, not just Baisley, but Robinson Earl and Giddy and uh, Kenrich Williams, all kinds of people were in there scrapping with him. Mike Mascala covered him for a while. Seems like a terrible idea. But, you know, the Thunder stayed with him and, uh, gave themselves a chance to win, and that's really all you can ask for in in a matchup like that. So, um, you know, you got to you got to say it's another encouraging performance, even in defeat. Yeah, for the Thunder, um, Barry. Let's get to the to the most intriguing part of the night, and it's um, gosh, I was about to say it again. I was about to say the one and only say Dave it. Bliss. Please, okay, <laughs> let's go ahead and say it. Say it because it's a great setup. <laughs> the one and only great, Dave Bliss, who was making his NBA head coaching debut tonight, filling in for Mark Dignalt, who um, we wish him and his wife Ashley well. They're at home expecting their first child, so Dignalt did not make the trip. Bliss 
Um, not the Bliss you're thinking about coached the Thunder tonight. Well, yeah, the, the Dave Bliss who coached the Thunder tonight, turns out he's not the one and only. Um, you know, I was having some dinner with friends, and one of them said, hey, I heard the, the Thunder coach is not coach. I guess he heard it on the news or the radio or something, and not a big Thunder fan, just sort of nominal follower. Said, I heard, uh, I heard uh, the coach is not coaching tonight, and Dave Bliss is filling in for him. <laughs> And I said, well, yes, but it's not that, Dave Bliss. I actually, you know, I'm thinking about opening a second, a second career, um, career advice for a variety of people. And here's, here's my career advice for Dave Bliss, the Mark Dagnall assistant. I think you ought to go by David. I think you ought to go by David and call himself David I, Bliss. I found out today from talking to his uh – a dad that he used to go by David in high school, so maybe. Well, maybe I think he needs to. He needs to go back to that. Uh, and Dad Gum, he was. Let's see, he played at Georgia from like oh four to oh eight. Yeah, that's right. So he gets to Georgia. He, he's either at Georgia or just got there when the Dave Bliss scandal erupts in Waco. I think you at that point you say, "I'm David Bliss." Um, you know, so or or you explore what your middle name is. Yes, or 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 have you or change okay, your last but, name. But here's there, the deal: there are a variety I, of options. I, I sort of feel sorry for him because it can't be easy to be a, <laughs> the no. The I'm other trying to make Dave, it easy. The other Dave <laughs> Bliss in basketball coaching, but like you don't really want someone else to affect like what you are named and like I I don't know. It's like kind of a tough spot. It's a very tough spot, but. It, but a tough, but a tough spot it is. It's a real thing. This is not a, you know, especially since he was on the Thunder staff as a young younger coach when Dave Bliss made one of his comebacks, literally in Bethany. You know, we had two Dave Bliss in two Dave Oklahoma County right here, <laughs> coaching basketball. Dave Bliss, the the original coaching basketball at Southwestern Christian University there in Bethany. So yeah, it's it's totally unfortunate. Um, you know, I'd never heard him talk until tonight. He seemed like a nice fella. Um, had some, you know, he's he sort of like Dagnall. He had some interesting things to say. Um, so I, 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 uh, I enjoyed listening to him tonight. Yeah. And heck, he clearly coached a pretty good game. He had the Thunder in position to perhaps win uh, down the stretch. So Yeah, and, and the coolest part of this whole story is that he's from Wausau, Wisconsin, which is about um, 185 miles northwest of Milwaukee. So not terribly close, but about a three-hour drive. And they knew before the season, obviously, um, you can uh, see uh, the birth of your child coming from a few months out so they certainly knew this was going to be a possibility um but dave actually said the plans weren't finalized until um thursday which is when they announced this whole thing that this was going to happen and his family didn't even know until then so maybe they had to keep it under wraps i don't know but um his dad came down his dad brought one of his friends um his best friend who lives in montana flew in i can't imagine there's a direct flight from wherever montana to milwaukee but he managed to make it in and dave's brother and his sister-in-law live in milwaukee so your first time as an NBA head coach and you do it in your home state um, turned out to be a really cool story. It was cool, and, um, you know, I'm happy for him. I remember him from his earlier stint 
when he was basically a practice coach. He was basically a big man, not really a scout teamer. He, but he, he was. He's he, a big man, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he's a big man, but he was literally, he's sort of the workout partner for the Thunder Bigs who wanted to stay after, play after. I saw him, you know, a bunch of times, uh, whether it was uh, Nanad Kerstich or, or Serge Ibaka or or uh, Kendrick Perkins, somebody like that in, in, you know, after practice or before games out there in the lane pushing on them and, and defending them while they did footwork and shooting drills. So, you know, he's been around a long time. He goes back to the early days of the Thunder. So yeah, uh, I was very pleased for, 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 his, for his opportunity tonight. Yeah, 2010 was his first year with the Thunder, and – um, it was basically right out of college. So he graduates in 2008. He spends the next year as a grad assistant at VCU under Shaka Smart, um, who's now at Marquette, another uh, Wisconsin connection. And while at VCU, Sam Presti uh, visits to scout Larry Sanders, um, who went 15th overall in that, I guess it would be 20, 2009 draft. Um Thunder obviously doesn't take Sanders. Sanders goes to the Bucks, another Wisconsin connection. And but while Presti's there, he meets um, Dave Bliss, and he uh, asks Shaka Smart basically for permission to to interview him and hire him. And he comes aboard as a video guy, works his way up to a player development coach, was an assistant coach the same year. Dagnall was a first year assistant under Billy, so both of them are on Billy's staff. And he was retained under Dagnalt, so now in his second season under Dagnalt's staff. So really a, a pretty rapid rise for, for him. And, like, just talking to him, he's he's a super nice guy. I haven't spent too much time around him, but um, always seems very pleasant and friendly. And tonight he was he very much had the Dagnalt and Presti-isms going in his post-game press conference, but I also thought he – gave a fresh perspective on things and it was sort of funny. I asked Ty Jerome if there's any, you know, he said they're running the same stuff. Nothing changes. It's just a different voice out there. But personality wise, he said Mark Dagnall has a little more sarcasm in him. So um, maybe Dave Bliss, just a, a nice, a nice guy from Wisconsin avoiding the sarcasm. Well, um, it's gotta be interesting to, you know, go through the rigors and, and the monotony of an NBA season, and then all of a sudden one night you got a, a head coach for a day, or maybe it'll be two days. Is 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 Dagnall going to miss tomorrow night's game as well? Yeah, the all, Boston? all three games of this road trip. So Blissel, okay. well, well, Blissel coach in Boston and then um, starts in his home state and ends in the state where he played college in Atlanta. So uh, we're actually going to have a story – over that, I talked to Dennis Felton today, who coached him at Georgia, and uh, he had nothing but good things to say about Bliss. So, looking forward to that one. Well, good. Well, so you know, you got to be sort of excited for a guy like that. I don't remember this ever happening before in Thunder lore. Um, Scotty Brooks, um, Billy Donovan. I don't remember them ever missing a game. Um, of course, they were a little older than Mark Dagnall. Well, into their families, they weren't becoming fathers while they were head coaching the Thunder. So certainly understandable that Dagnall is missing these games, but pretty, you know, pretty cool that Dave Bliss gets this opportunity. Yeah, especially, I mean, I, I think Dagnall would have missed it no matter what, but especially like it's their first child and uh, definitely very special. So 
um, seem like a no-brainer to stick behind f- f- for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was that, that was the coolest part of the game. B- Barry, what do you think? I, I understand he's the acting head coach, and it goes on another guy's official resume, but isn't that sort of a weird thing? Like Dave Bliss, his head coach of the Thunder tonight, Mark Dagnall is not even in the arena, but it goes on Dagnall's official coaching record. I think that's interesting. Yeah, well, I think it's bogus, is I think what it is. <laughs> um, you know, it's sort of like the, it's the Mike Shashevsky thing. You know, he has that bad back that one year when Duke stinks and he takes off for two months and they go, whatever they went, 4-19 or 7-18, and 18, whatever it was. And uh, that went on the other guy's record. They didn't put that one on, on Krzyzewski's record. So you can see that from time to time, people. Yeah. Uh, you know, you use all ambiguity to your advantage. That's what I always say, and, and I guess the NBA is. But it's silly that, you know, if, if, if you're not even in the same part of the country as where the game is being played, it probably should not be – on your ledger. Same time zone, at least. It was the same time zone and the same hemisphere. Let's give him credit. They yeah. stayed in the he, – he he was in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. And he saw as much of – you know, he probably watched the game same as I did, so. But uh, Th- Thunder Thunder PR extraordinaire John Reed uh, reminded me of the – remember when Steve Kerr, I think another back problem, set out – and Luke Walton yeah, yeah, filled Adam in, Walton. and the Warriors Walton, started like right. twenty four and one or something like that. So um, yeah. different situation. And, they gave, and I think they gave all those victories to Kerr. I think so. Yeah, they went to Kerr, which which is crazier than Loon Bird stuff. So, <laughs> um, but that's the way that's the way it goes, you yeah. know. And then people uh, and people wanted, you know, people gave a lot, and he of a lot of consideration to Kerr for Coach of the Year, and maybe he did win it that year. I don't remember. Yeah. However, all that season proved is that uh you know, Hummingbird could have coached the Warriors to to great yeah. great glory. I mean, there's 24 Luke, and 1 without Kerr. Yeah, Luke, and Luke Walton might be out of a job here pretty soon. Um So, anyway, um Barry, I want to wrap up with something game related and we we won't go too much more into this one, but um very interesting numbers from Shea Gilgis Alexander, who is not good tonight. Um, he shot, let's see here, 2 of 12 from 3, 5 of 20 overall. He shot 25%, and I'm trying to pull this up because I, I looked up these numbers after the game. So in his in his first eight games this season, so they've played 15 games total, in his first eight, he shot better than 40% from the field in seven of the eight. And in six of the seven games since, he shot below 40%. So he's really on a slump um, dating back the last seven games. He's attempting incredibly hard shots. Um, but I, I don't know. Are you are you seeing anything different with him or different with the way defenses are playing him? Well, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're shading him. You know, they're not double-teaming him as so much as what I would call um, man and a half defense. In other words, you know they're play, They're trying to cut off his driving lanes, but they're also not giving him a lot of room to shoot. That step back jumper. He's convinced people he's going to make it, so they're not. They're trying to take that away from him also, and they're inviting. They're inviting him to make plays to his other teammates, and we've seen all season that with Josh Giddy's passes. 
you know, it doesn't matter how good of a passer you are, how much you share the ball. If you don't have teammates that can make baskets, what good does it do? He had like He's incredible not, passes tonight, and he finished with four assists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, Shea doesn't have a lot of options. Lou Lou Dort's been playing fantastic. He did not tonight. Um, you know, he's four of 13, 10 points. And, so, and seven of those came in the first quarter, and he had three in the final three right. quarters. Yeah, so, you know, it's not a case of so – there's not a lot of guys out there that he can throw the ball to with assurance that something's good going to happen. Um, so that just shows the Thunder's limitations. I think you'll see – you know, I think you'll see some adjustments. I think you, there's schematic things you can do. There's people you can maybe play a little bit more and help out. But that's just something they're going to have to live with while they reconstruct this roster. Yeah, and because. They're, they're 29th in three-point shooting. They shot yeah. 25% tonight, so that's just no spacing at all. Um, and took 48 of them. I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing if you go 3 of 12. They went 12 of 48. So Barry, usually I ask you to do the math on this podcast, but I can do uh, twelve of forty-eight. Well, the, you know, it's one of those whole, it's one of those whole number type deals. Uh, so, uh, you know, they, it, but it's not a good shooting team. It's not a good offensive team, and so you know they're just, you know, defenses are going to be bound and determined to take SGA out of the game, and you know in, until Baisley. Uh, picks up his offense. Um, you know, there's not not a ton that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, just there's not enough offense out there to make teams play a little bit more straight up on on Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Um. And and just to finish up with Shea, I I thought it was interesting because in your uh, Scissor Tales, I think it was today you had a. Um, I think it was in your mailbag. Someone said that Shea's a ball hog or something like that. Yeah, and exactly. I had I had someone um, tweet at me tonight the same thing, and I assume it's a different person. And I don't know how that's starting right now. I guess it's the step back. I think the step back threes have a lot to do with it because it's such a hard shot. Um, but he's made them at an incredible rate, just not tonight. Um but you sort of said, like, you don't think he shoots enough, and that's been the whole thing throughout his career. He did attempt 20 shots tonight. But, like, Shea is, like, just the opposite of that is how I've been seeing him. Yeah, and, you know, there's a whole lot of games. Now, my email, my emailer was talking about the end of games, which I haven't noticed that either. Oh, okay. I, I didn't realize it was but, specific. Well, but it, particularly early in games, I mean, he'll go – I mean, he might have one or two shots in the first quarter. And I'll say, come on, let's go. Let's get involved in this thing. So, yeah, I don't think he's the least bit of a ball hog. The guy was comparing him to Russell Westbrook, for crying out loud, which, um, you know, I don't I don't go for at all. Um, I do sense – I don't see – I don't see emotional frustration, but I do see some – some uh, frustration that's manifested in more shots than normal and maybe a couple of bad shots. Um, and I, the frustration is not so much in his own lack of production. It's in the team's failure to get anything done. Yeah, and I think it's also the realization that this is uh... – the NBA is a long season, and like nothing is ever going to come easy for him on on any night. So it's just going to be more like this. 
Yeah, and you know, like tonight, let's see, they get within they get within eighty four, eighty two. They get within eighty six, eighty four, with six minutes left in the game, and the Thunder scores five points the rest of the way. Um, they just they just really can't produce a ton of of offensive production. Um, it's it's um, it's just going to be that way, and Dort's going to have to score. SGA's going to have to score big. Um, they're just outside of that. They just don't have a whole lot that's going to happen for them offensively. Yeah. Um, well, it certainly doesn't get that much easier tomorrow night. The Thunder is on the second night of a back-to-back at Boston. Uh, Boston is also on the second night of a back-to-back, but they um, are hosting both games. They they beat the Lakers tonight, walloped the Lakers, and the Thunder comes in tomorrow. Barry, we have ball games of different varieties to, to cover tomorrow, so we're going to wrap this up now. You're going to be watching college football. I'm going to be watching NBA. Saturdays are a little busy. I might hop on um, for a solo pod, or but we'll figure it out. But thanks, as always, for listening to the latest episode of the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we will be back with you sometime um, during this road trip.